And on the season two premiere of Sports and the World, me and Chris discussed the coronavirus and its impact on sports, quarterbacks in the NFL draft, the NFL draft free agency frenzy, and a huge announcement. That's today on the season two premiere of Sports and the World. And welcome into season two of Sports and the World. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And first of all, thank you for all those listening. Season two, we made it. And if you're listening to us through Anchor, Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever your podcast can be heard, we both truly do appreciate it. And how are you, my man? Live to die another day. Coronavirus ain't got shit on me. Yeah, words spoken like a true... Uh, Denzel. <laughs> yeah, Denzel. I had to think of... I, I had to know, like, yeah. King Kong ain't got shit on me. It's like, it's like... And I'm like, you sit back and think about it, like, well, you had a point. Like, in retrospect, you're like, I mean, King Kong didn't have a gun. Like, I mean, good point. Like, King... But anywho, before we slip into the Denzel slope... Uh, well, let's just talk about briefly, you know, the coronavirus and the impact has on all the major sports, all of that. So just give me just some of your comments on the impact of, of the coronavirus on, on sports. Anarchy will soon be in the streets. Divorce rates will go up. Uh, people will realize that they actually have significant others, husbands, wives, partners, whatever. Um, they might actually talk to them. They might actually figure out they like each other exactly. or they hate each other. Um, children, I think we'll have a bunch of uh, uh, Generation C's, a bunch of little Corona babies, because um, there pretty much ain't nothing else to do besides like play video games, jack off, and uh, and make babies. I, I think those are the three options left at the at this stage in the game, and uh, it sucks, man. I was honestly really, really looking forward to baseball season because you hit that lull when the NFL's over. And so you go through February and you've got basketball, which honestly, like, I just, I don't care about. And frankly, because I I think the league is just so pussified now you get hockey. So I'll I'll dabble in some hockey. And then that late February, mid to late February pitchers report in and then spring training starts. And we got to see a little bit of it. And then the ugly little coronavirus reared its head and it canceled March madness and baseball and hockey and, basketball and and i mean we're pretty much gonna watch bowling uh or i i don't know i mean i i it, it sucks man i mean i i am i i understand completely why they did it and i'm okay with it because i don't want to see more people spread it and it just turn into a, a real pandemic and uh instead of just a minor thing of what it i mean it's not minor but in the grand scheme of things it really is if you if you look at other pandemics and flus and diseases that have spread in the U.S. over the past 15 years. But that's another topic for another day. Um, it sucks, man. I am sad. Um, hopefully it doesn't affect uh, the NFL and this can be cleared up soon. But only time will tell. You know, in, and one of the things that you, that you touched on was that you talked about that lull. And, and I think that we always use, I think when we think of sports, that's why I named it sports in the world, because sometimes sports is our escape from the world a lot of times. Because let's face it, a lot of bad things happen in the world. And sometimes we go to sports. And now all of a sudden, we can't go to sports. So now we kind of have to face the reality. Because, you know, one of the things that I remember after 9-11, it was baseball. It was sports as a whole. That kind of, it didn't matter what team you rooted for. It just didn't matter. It's just that sports was there to get our minds, even for three hours, off of of what was going on in the world. And now, what the coronavirus has done is kind of taken that away. Like, they're saying baseball may be coming maybe mid-May. We may not get 162 games. And, you know, like you said, with basketball, hockey, and all of that, and one of the sports I thought about was the Olympics. And I said, will this affect the Olympics? And the Olympic Committee basically said that there's no drastic 
you know, decisions being made. Because what, so it's one of those things that down the road, you know, we'll get sports back. But more importantly, folks, just be safe. You know, it's not about you. It's about other people. Use common sense. Like, you know, wash your hands. Be, you know, be sensible. Wash your hands and don't lick strangers' buttholes the day you meet them off a of tender. And you'll, you'll probably not get the coronas. Yeah, you know, you would think that that would be a prerequisite. Like, uh, but some people, some people don't don't see that small print. I'm like, like it's you know, but what what Chris is trying to say, folks, is practice safe practices. That's it. (laughs) And and speaking of one of the things that were are affected were affected by the the coronavirus was the NFL draft. But they're saying they're still going to televise it. They shut down all the events because it's in Vegas. And Vegas is pretty much shut down. Yeah. And it's very weird to see. Casinos, everything. But they're going to continue the draft. They're figuring out ways to, to do that. But one of the things I did want to talk about were some of the quarterbacks. And because it, it may not be the deepest class of quarterbacks, but I, I think a couple of I think last year, I touched on who I think are the five best quarterbacks coming out. And and I think some of them moved up, some of them moved down, because the combine certain things matter. Certain like you know, I don't care how fast you run. It can if you're a receiver, can you catch? If you're a quarterback, can you make simple routes and simple connections? But but briefly, Chris, see, do you have any thoughts on some of the quarterbacks coming out in this uh, draft class? Um. You know, I think it's going to be the usual suspects. So you'll have Joe Burrow, of course, going first overall uh, to the Bengals, one hundred percent. You know, he'll he'll uh, he'll definitely go in there and fill the shoes of a quarterback, which I think might re-entice um, AJ Green to stay there. Um, I think that he's going to be kind of the go-to guy. I think. Just based off of his performance of of last season at LSU, uh, he wrote his own ticket. Um, I, I I see him going to Cincy. How well he'll do is um, questionable because we've seen so many great quarterbacks come out of the NFL or come out of college and, and transition in the NFL. And honestly, a lot of them don't make it because of their supporting cast. Um, you get a lot of quarterbacks that set all these NCAA records for touchdowns and running yards and passing yards and completion percentages because they had this all-star cast that they played with for a few years. And then they go to teams that are in despair, like the Bengals or the Titans or uh, the skins or these other bottom barrel teams that, didn't amount to much with a record-setting quarterback like Andy Dalton that has NFL field experience that might not be the most physically gifted, but mentally he has the capacity. So it, it kind of worries me, but I think Joe Burrow kind of uh, he, he kind of makes his own luck. He has that, uh, that, that two-headed coin on the same side. So he, uh, he could kind of make his own luck, I think. And, and maybe by putting Burrow in there – and AJ Green stays in. He has that that high tier receiver to throw to. He has a decent running core with Bernard and Mixon. I think um, you know the biggest thing is will the offensive line protect him and how will he perform under pressure? Uh, you know, as great as LSU was and as great as a conference as the SEC is, you're getting the best of the best of the best from all five conferences and and sub-conferences and all those guys making it into the NFL. So you're kind of playing against the best beforehand. So it can, it only gets better. But uh, I see Burrow going early. Um, Tua, I don't know. Um, buyer beware with him. He, uh, you know, I know he's healing well with this whole hip surgery thing. But, you know, it's like a Carfax, man. If you, you go to buy a car do you really want to invest a lot of money into something that's already been in an, in an accident once with severe damage? I mean, it's one thing to break your arm, you know, like a, your wrist or your toe or, you know, a, a clavicle or something like that. 
Like your hip as a quarterback, that does a lot of the work for you. you that's where you're stepping into the throw, so all the torque, the body turns, and then of course the movement, the running capability. So I, I don't, I don't know where he goes. To be honest with you, possibly the Chargers, since he, uh, uh, you know, since they got rid of Rivers, but then also you have Justin Herbert from Oregon, who you know he's a big boy, six six, two hundred thirty six pounds. Um, you know, because I I believe they got this pick from the Giants uh, for pick four, did they not? Yeah, it was the okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you know the Chargers might want to go out because now like the quarterback seat for them is empty right now. Like Rivers is is gone; he's out of L.A. Uh, you know, so there's that. Maybe two. I I I don't know that one. The other buyer beware quarterback that actually is drawing some. Some honest interest out of me is uh, that kid from Utah State, Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. So Jordan Love had an outright immaculate season in the 2018 season uh, with Utah State. 2019, he threw 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. That's a little scary. That's almost a, a, an ESPN, Jameis Winston type season. Uh, to hit the 30 for 30. Um, Now, so some of the regression, I think, contributed to the coaching change at Utah State and also the fact that he was one of two total returning offensive starters. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I think that is it's a high risk but a high reward. Um, I think he'll go semi-early. You know, maybe if... Let's say, because right now a lot of people are projecting him to go to the Patriots. Um, and especially now since the vacancy of Tom Brady. Uh, you know, I, there, there's just so many moving parts. that, And then also I think a lot of factors right now. And this is why I truly almost hate playing the guessing game is where, where do they fit in? Do, does You know, the Dolphins, for example, they're at pick five. Do they completely pass on Tua and go after Love? Do they go into the free agency and go after Cam Newton? I think a lot of this right now, I think the free agency carousel, I think we should probably start visiting that and maybe circle back to the draft, the, the quarterback draft coming closer to it since most of the, the high-tier quarterbacks or, or the teams that are in need of one make their move. So I, that, that's kind of where I'm sitting out with quarterbacks. So what a, what about you? You, you know, I, I agree with you on Joe Burrow. I think that when I scouted Joe, I think I think uh, I think you weren't on the week that I scouted the five quarter the, the five quarterbacks on my list. Joe Burrow, when I looked at him, he doesn't have a specific trait that just stands out, which it may scare people, but I think that the complete Joe Burrow, what Joe Burrow does well. Joe Burrow doesn't make mistakes. And, and people are like, oh, that's pretty obvious for a quarterback. But arguably, you brought up the SEC, and people may not like it. Our buddy Derek may not like this, but the SEC is, is, is probably the best core of defenses in the country. And he played that every week. Like some weeks, yeah, Tennessee, all. But he played against top-tier defenses every week. And from what I saw from Joe Burrow, I didn't see anything that made me believe any more or less than what I thought maybe four or five months ago. It's just that I just think that he's the best quarterback in the country. Coming, I think he's the best quarterback in this class, and I have him going to, to Cincinnati. Now, number two, I have Tua. Now, you brought a very good point about Tua, maybe his health. But one of the things that when you pop in the tape on Tua, Chris, he has a great arm. Like, we know he's mobile, but he has a great arm. And, and plus, you put that mobility with that great arm, he threw, to like, he threw to Henry Ruggs like it was nobody's business. Tua's a very good player. Now, with Tua, I have a trade. The, Giants, the Giants have the fourth pick. The Giants, they got Danny Dimes. They don't need a quarterback. The Giants, well, they need everything. But they need an offensive tackle, and they can get an offensive tackle 
you know, they can drop. They can afford to take more. They get more picks, drop. And I think they trade. And I think the trading partner is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers, because when I look at the quarterback situation in the Chargers, I talked about Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is in his 30s. Tyrod Taylor is a proven starter in this league. Let's be clear on that. He's a proven starter. Yeah, he handled his own in Buffalo for a long while. Uh, you know, he had 51 touchdowns, 60 interceptions in three seasons as Buffalo starter. And he had far less to work with than uh, what Josh Allen has right now. Exactly. It, it kind of basically felt like with Lionel Richie and the in the Commodores, like, well, who wasn't in the Commodores? Exactly. That's why Lionel Richie left. Like, if you if if you if you remember the Commodores, why you know you get it. You you guys still get residuals. Don't get mad at me. But I think in that scenario, I could see the Chargers moving up because the questions that I have is, is that Anthony Lynn, the head coach, he's not necessarily on the hot seat. I think he can afford to use Tyrod Taylor because listen, Tyrod Taylor, he's in the last year of his two year deal, so. You see if Tyrod works, and worst case scenario, if he works, you, you keep him, but as a backup, or because a thirty-year-old Tyrod Taylor may not have the same market value at that point, and you can get a two. Because Chris, they got to put. I remember reading somewhere where for the Chargers, it felt like they were playing sixteen away games. Yeah. There, there, there were no fans. You got to start looking out for fans. Like yeah. Tua, Tua brings fans in the stands, and then you got Keenan Allen. You know they re-signed Austin Eckler. They got Melvin Ingram. Chris, this team is not bad. It's just that Philip Rivers left. Okay. I just feel like, and I said it. I think I said it. I think one of our last episodes is is that I like Tyrod Taylor a lot to kind of to be that bridge quarterback because remember he was the bridge quarterback for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. So. He's the guy that can stabilize your offense even for a year to get what you want. Now, the third best quarterback, you talk about Justin Herbert. Chris, you said 6'6", you can't teach height. You can't teach certain things. But the one thing I liked about Justin Herbert is that he went back. He went. He could have came out the same year that Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones did, but he chose to stay because he wanted to be more of a passing quarterback. And that's weird, given the you know the state of the league. You know he was he was mobile and he was, but he stayed back. He became a better passer. And we can all say the Pac-12 is like the it's like the Big 12 of the West. Like if you're a Big 12 fan, you get it. But I'm glad he went back. Oregon played well. Oregon played down a lot, but Justin Herbert played up a lot of those games. I got Justin Herbert going to the Miami Dolphins. Really, at number at number five because I've read I've read a lot of stories where people in that building probably prefer Herbert over Tua because of what you mentioned. You know Justin Herbert's healthy. Like you don't have to like with Tua, he came with that hip injury. But the thing is with Miami, you got you got fit. You know you got opportunities. I think, in my opinion, Chris, that I think that you can sit. Like, you don't have to put in Justin Herbert day one. I, I just don't believe you have to. Simply because I think with Brian Flores, Chris, they have time. Miami was a dumpster fire before Brian Flores got there. But you got hope last year. They're going to give Brian Flores the whole, I think, three years to figure this out. And I think you can afford to sit Justin Herbert down and put, you know, get a fit, you know, go out and get a freezing quarterback Magic, Glenn, and whoever else is out there to kind of be like, again, like that bridge quarter we talked about with Tyrod Taylor. So the fourth guy on my list, and you talked about him, was Jordan Love. Now, the year before you saw what you saw last year, Jordan Love had like, he had an incredible touchdown-interception ratio before his senior year. Like this year, like you say, coaching transition, that matters. Were you only two of eleven returning offensive players, and that offensive line was like a bunch of dudes coming off the street who just didn't know how to block. It was bad. Yep. It was pretty bad. But the reality is, is that I saw his last bowl game, the last game he played in. 
That's the Jordan love that scouts know because they understand transition. Even the NFL, coaching changes, things like that has an impact on players, especially the quarterback position, system, playbooks, all of that. Now, I do have Jordan Love going in the first round, but the team that I'm going to say, it may shock you, Chris, but I have explanations. I believe, and it's a playoff team, it's a playoff team who I have drafted them, and it's not the New England Patriots. I believe it's the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Whoa! And, and this is why I say the Green Bay Packers. An Aaron Rodgers 2.0? I, I believe Matt LaFleur, great offensive mind. I believe Aaron Rodgers is like, what, 36, 37? Yeah, like, he's, he's, he's getting up there. We got to remember that. We got to remember, Chris, how old Aaron Rodgers is. And this is to be the draft where one of these quarterbacks is going to fall. It ain't going to be Burrow. It ain't going to be two. It ain't going to be Herbert. I think it's going to be Jordan Love. Not because he's not talented. But we saw this in the draft with Aaron Rodgers. Remember when they drafted Alex Smith number one overall? Yeah. And remember how Aaron Aaron Rodgers was kind of like that guy, if you play the prices right, that cliffhanger game. And he yeah. just kept playing. He's going to fall off that cliff because he just kept falling and falling in the draft. And then who's Green Bay had him sit behind Brett Favre for a couple of years, and Rodgers becomes a Hall of Fame quarterback. I believe in that building. If Jordan Love is there, I believe, Chris, if it's not Green Bay, it's going to be a, some team going to trade back in and get Jordan Love. Because, and I'll, get, I'll explain the New England philosophy when we talk about the free agency and why, who I feel going there. But I just believe, in my opinion, I think if, right there, Chris, I mean, you can't, like, uh, Green Bay needs a receiver. And people are like, oh, well, why don't they draft a receiver? It's a very deep receiver draft. It's very deep. Like, you may not get a Justin Jefferson or Henry Ruggs or CeeDee Lamb, but if you look at the list, and I'm not going to do it on this episode, but go, folks, go look at the the receivers coming out. You could potentially get a first-round receiver in the second or third round. That's how deep this wide receiver draft is. That, yeah, that's that, that's one thing I did notice. If if I could butt in, is just the sure. amount of receivers that are that are literally just flooding the draft. And so, and that's why I personally feel that Green Bay their their biggest need to me is receiver to kind of complement Devontae Adams. They don't have to rush, but if Jordan Love is sitting there, Chris, it's like this. It's an old saying. It's better to need it and don't have it than and have, have it and not need it. Like, folks, like, you're like, oh, man. Like, you may go to the store or you may go somewhere and you may buy. Like, oh, I may, and I do it all the time. Like, dishwashing liquid. Oh, I may not, but at some point I am. So I better, I may not need it, like, then. But I know two, three weeks, I'm definitely going to need it. And for the quarterback thing, it's the same, it's the same concept. And... And my last guy on the list is, and I really do, and I really do like this guy. I really do. It's Jalen Hurts. Here's why I like Jalen Hurts. I gave Jalen Hurts a lot of flack, as you remember. Yeah. I I did. Like, I'll be the first guy to admit, yeah, 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 I gave him a lot of flack. But, but this is the thing that I say about, this is what I say. His scouting. From what I like, the combine to me helped his numbers. To me, it helped simply because it got me to see him. You know, it, it, you know, to see him go through, and I'm like, well, this guy can really do it. But here's the thing, Chris. I do believe he's not going to be in the first round, but I do believe, in my opinion, I think that he's going to fall to the early second round. Where do you think he goes? I thought I looked at the scouting thing, and this is, and this may shock you, or or not, but I have him going the second round to the Detroit Lions. Ooh, because yeah. because I don't think Detroit. Listen, Detroit has the top five pick. Chris, there's no way they're going to pass on defense. Matt Patricia, 
like, he's like, a like, defensive mind. Like if if like the Isaiah Simmons or Jeff, you know, Okuda is there, you're not going to pass up a great defensive player. But I think in the second round you get a great value for Jalen Hurts because Matt Stafford. There's, he has four years, $105.5 million left on his contract. And the, and, and the only time you can really cut him, Chris, is like a $3 million cap hit in 2023 because this year you cut him is 21.3, 33 in mm. 21, $26 in 22. I want to know what I did so wrong in life that if somebody fired me, they have to pay me $20 million. Exactly. Jesus Christ. Because if Detroit says, okay, we'll cut him, that's the cap hit they take, and they got to pay him. So even if he signs somewhere else, they still on the hook. That's yeah. what the whole the whole Brady, the New England thing. And once again, we'll get to that shortly. I just think that, Chris, like I heard a lot of people talk about, oh, what about Jake Fromm? I didn't like and It's not because he went to Georgia. Don't send me your... You know, don't go to at Sports the World on Instagram or don't go to the, like, oh, you're just an SEC guy. No, stop it. Did you see Jake Fromm's last three games of the regular season? The guy couldn't throw 50%. Garbage. That's like, imagine going to the carnival. He couldn't win a prize for his girlfriend. All right? That's how bad he was. Jake, can you, can you win me a teddy bear? No. Absolutely not. Me or you could have and could have took his girl. But that's for a whole different Ah. Uh. That's that's for a whole different episode on a whole different time slot. But those are my quarterbacks. And then speaking of talking about quarterbacks and signings, and I know we're going to talk about Chris's favorite quarterback. I have it on great. I have it on great authority. Great authority. <laughs> I can't tell you who my sources are. You know, it's like deep throat. I can't tell you who he who he or she is who told me. So. But Listen. he already knows. So Tom I'll... fucking Brady. Take the wheel. Listen, I give Tom Brady a lot of shit all of the time. Not just some, not just here or there, but literally all of the time. Yeah, he's like my, he's like Kirk Cousins for me. It, it, you can't. However, imagine. however, this man in a predominantly Irish setting. Boston, Massachusetts, the Mick capital of the country, (laughs) decides on St. Patrick's Day when the coronavirus is spreading rampant that they can't even drink their problems away in a bar, (laughs) tells Pat's Nation, Chuck the Deuce, I'm Audi 5000, I'm going to Tampa where it's sunny and it's warm, and me and my hot wife can go make $30 million a year while I mediocrely throw a football around and throw temper tantrums on the field. (laughs) The level of trolling that that man did, that is God level. That is President Trump level trolling. I couldn't even think of that. Because I figured like, you know, like right after like, you know, free agency started, Brady would wait it out a little bit, you know, because he's been loyal to, the Patriots, and he's taking pay cuts to, to keep the team winning. He's paying referees off to win Super Bowls, you know, so on and so forth. But to leave an Irish team in an Irish town on St. Paddy's Day, that surpasses anything I could ever do. So for that, Tom Brady, I thank you. But now, now the real question is, so Tampa Bay signs him up. So let's take a look at Tampa Bay's team. Mm-hmm. You've got Chris Godwin, which mm-hmm. is arguably, well beyond arguably, a top 10 receiver in my book. Okay. Currently okay. in the NFL. I really think, because you know what? That man is dependable. He's agile. He makes the catches when the throws are thrown to him. I mean, it's not Godwin's fault that Jameis Winston was as blind as a fucking bat and couldn't see three feet in front of him. So, I mean, I'm going to throw some credit to, to Godwin's part. But you, so you have Godwin. You have Mike Evans, again, I, in my humble opinion, I think is also a top 10 receiver. Yeah, no argument here. That, that I agree with. He's tall. He's powerful. He has great hands. He has great field vision. He's great at route running. So you've got that. 
you have O.J. Howard, which I, I think we both could say is a very good tight end considering yeah. the circumstances that he played under. Absolutely. You have Cameron Brait, mm-hmm. another great tight end, both pass and blocking. And now I'm seeing reports that uh, they're looking at Gurley. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're building a team around Tom Brady. Um, I This is going to show how great Brady is this season. This will prove that neither A, he is great, and I will fucking shut up, I will apologize, and I will sit quietly if this man takes a, a Tampa Bay team into the playoffs or Super Bowl, question mark, uh, and and completely reverts a team that under Jameis Winston, I think their best was what eight and eight. I mean, I'm, I don't have the stats in front of me, yeah, but I think they were. I think they were seven and nine. Seven and nine. Okay. Uh, have they have they been a five hundred team uh, since Winston was quarterback? Again, I, I unfortunately I, I I don't have that stat in front of me. I I, I, I can tell you because my my dad's a Tampa fan, and I can tell you the answer is no. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, if he can take them into a 500 ball club, I'm interested. Now, with that being said, honestly, the one thing I'm looking most forward to is watching Tom Brady and Drew Brees play two times a year now. Oh, if if, if that's not a Sunday night game, I don't know what is. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. I that That is one thing that I'm very – very excited to see with that is is both of them going at each other's throats. Also, uh, you know, I got you know before we start bouncing on teams, we'll just stick with Brady for a second. Um, he Brady is going to bring a dynamic to the team that I don't think that they've had. They've got Bruce Arians at the helm; he's done a great job, uh, and then of course Todd Bowles on on the other side of the ball. Tom Brady's essentially going to play offensive coordinator and quarterback at the same time. I, I, the, the way that I understood uh, how part of this deal was going to work is that it was he, he's going to be in control and kind of do whatever he wants. Um, so I, I'm interested to see. Like I said, Brady, I think, is a good fit for a very young, inexperienced Tampa Bay team. However... Brady doesn't have that chemistry like he did with Edelman and Amendola and Gronkowski and Moss and and <laughs> Brandon Cooks and all of these future Hall of Fame players that he was always surrounded by. You know, also Brady had a great offensive line. That's where a lot of people think that Brady just went out there and and big dicked it from from kickoff to 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 zero. He had a good surrounding cast. His offensive line, I think, was arguably one of the best in the NFL ever when when he was there because he didn't get hit. The whole reason why quarterbacks don't get hit is an offensive line holds the pocket. I mean, that's just no rocket science required to figure that out. Yeah. Um, I think that was a, a huge gift to Tampa, an expensive gift at $30 million a year, but a huge one nonetheless. Um, and like I said, I will take back what I said. If he could take that team and do something with them, then uh, previous statements are tracted. If he goes down there and just sucks it up, then I kind of stand where I stand. And that Brady wasn't really that great of a quarterback. He just had a good supporting cast. Look at movies. You can have a great movie with a shitty actor as the lead, but you have such a surrounding cast mm-hmm. of just complete talent that makes the movie good. I always say that. I always try to tell people that. Like that's that's a very good point. Like, you know, right. and that's and that's where uh, you know that's where Tampa Bay stands with that. So I won't beat on them because it's still young in the uh, in in. I mean, hell, the season, the fucking draft isn't even here yet. So we'll. Uh, Best of luck to Brady. I don't want to see him get hurt, but he needs to realize that he's no spring chicken in NFL years either. He's uh, one hit away from the retirement home. 
Yeah, and, he, uh, and he's so, he's right he's right near the retirement home. So yeah, he's he's in God's waiting room. Ain't no question yeah. in that at this point. <laughs> what if they named a place that like would you send your parents? They like I don't know. I'm... If if I, I would actually pay extra to have that on my license plate to say <laughs> you know state of Florida instead of like in God we trust or Brevard or whatever mine says is God's waiting room. I I would I would have that on my plate and be happy with it. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. You know, staying on quarterbacks, um, you know, Phillip Rivers is another one. You know, he, I, I think we talked about it early in the season uh, about Phillip Rivers' distaste of the Chargers. He was not happy when they moved from San Diego to L.A. He made that vocally and crystal clear. Mm-hmm. So clear that Helen Keller could have seen it coming, I think. Um, so he... Uh, and he's another one. He's no spring chicken either. Um, I think actually this gives the Colts a chance uh, to to do something. Um, you know, Rivers and all like seven thousand two hundred fifty of his children are going to uh, shack up in Indianapolis and uh, you know see what see what can happen. I think he's what on uh, on a one year deal he signed there. Yeah, one year, twenty five mil guaranteed. Okay, so I, I, that's almost like a, a, a risk it for the biscuit move that he's just going to sign a one year deal and see what happens. Again, I think that the, the AFC is just—it's it, going to be a competitive one this year, to be honest with you. You know, in the NFC, of course, with Tom Brady going down, that 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 shifts a lot of things too. Um, but I'm curious to see where Rivers is going to do. He's—I don't think he's in the situation that Tom Brady is. Where he's getting a great, a great two two great tight ends, two great wide receivers, a mediocre running back at best right now, but a potential great running back if they can land the trade. Um, so you you know I don't think he has the tools that that Brady has, but I'll be curious to see the one that really edges me um, that that really perked my ears up during this whole free agency thing is two glove Teddy signing with Carolina, you know, on a, on a three year, 60, what, $63 million deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, that's no guaranteed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a whole lot of cash money. Um, I, I, Bridgewater, it was one of those quarterbacks that I don't think ever got a fair shot. He got hurt too early in his career in a very disturbing injury, and mm-hmm. you know, to put it mildly, to come back to even be where he's at right now, he proved he could play when he was when he was babysitting the the Saints for uh, for Breeze while he was getting his thumb worked on. He proved that he can still play in the NFL. He proved that he can still play at a high caliber. He, I, I think, what he is right now is a high mid level low, high-level quarterback for someone that you can either, A, put in there and he'll win you some games, possibly get you a wild-card spot, if not the playoffs, and then also give you somebody that can start training a rookie quarterback. You know, maybe uh, maybe Bridgewater is what, what – what was the kid that, that was a Kyle Allen, right, that was that was t- took over for the Panthers? Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe maybe this is how Kyle Allen can learn not to throw like 17,000 interceptions in the span of two games <laughs> and learn from someone that's that's faced adversity that he can kind of sit behind and and just learn from. Because um, I don't as, as any word came out about Kyle Allen, he's still staying in Carolina at this point, right? Yeah, I saw that they I think they signed him to a, a one year deal. I know they resigned him. So yeah, so I mean he has there, and I think he's gonna fit in in Joe Brady's offensive scheme under the Panthers. Um, the the thing is, and and this is one of the things I like most about Teddy, and I talked about it so heavily last year, is he's not as athletic as he used to be because of all the damage done to his knee. 
mm-hmm. but he's a he's a manager. He manages the game, and I think that's more important again than than the athletic approach to it. Is he knows how to manage the game? It, to me, Teddy Bridgewater was kind of like an Alex Smith 2.0, but more mobile. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe maybe this is. Uh, I don't even know what the word like. This is his renaissance, his his, his reinvention of Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. The the Panthers have the tools. They've got the the receivers. They've got the tight end. They've got literally the best running back in the NFL. There's zero questions asked. That can run the ball down your throat or run a ten and out route, catch it, and then shoot up the the side of the field like the flash and score a touchdown. Um. You know, I mean, that th- that's one that's really kind of grabbed my attention uh, most of all, I think, out of out of the free agency. Of course, there are, you know, some also moves, a lot of a lot of defensive players kind of shifting gears going here and there. But um, I, I mainly wanted to take a real look at the at the offensive movers here today. So, uh, you know, and then also uh what they announced today that uh, Nick Foles, Jesus, you know uh, that that one that one is is interesting going to Chicago. So and I and I even said I I think it was what game seven six or seven of the season. I think you and I had that conversation on here that I think Chicago was gonna look the other way on Trubitsky and they realized they messed up. They what happened is Chicago the the GM and the head coach like fused into a into a single guy and they were in one of the primo nightclubs of Chicago. And this tight bodied, beautiful, gorgeous, long legged, big titty just just angel fell from the sky. And they started talking to him. And they were lucky enough to take him home. They start dating. And about a month into it, so she's talked to you into moving in with you. And, and, you know, now she's at your place. Now you can't get rid of her as easy. And then you realize that she's a complete psychopath. And then when she takes off her makeup, she looks like a whole other person. I think that's Mitchell Trubisky to, uh, to the Bears. Is there that hot girl in a dark club that when you put the lights on and you take the make off off of you're like, what the hell did I just do? Welcome to welcome to the Chicago Bears front office at this point. <laughs> uh, I, uh, <laughs> you know, and then I and, and then when people say, you know, Chris, you're an asshole, and I'm like, I, why would you say something like that? And then I go and I say things out loud on public waves like this, and I'm like, you know, maybe I kind of am. <laughs> I mean, uh, when I was listening to the analogy, here's the thing: when you've known somebody long enough, folks, like how I've known Chris, you know about two minutes in where it's going, and and you can and I'm sitting right here, drinking my my Dr Pepper, and I just people are like, oh, you know, look, folks, I'm not gonna say he was wrong, because here's the thing. And I didn't mean to take away your time, but the thing is, Chris, when I saw that trade, do you know what they traded? They got back a fourth round compensatory pick. (laughs) And you're looking around like, didn't they give this guy $80 million and all you're getting? It's like it's like literally trading in like your Bugatti for like a Jesus for a Pinto. Like what are you doing? It's it, it was the the thing is simply this, Chris. Like you know, people can sit here and we like I say, what made that analogy great about Chicago was it was absolutely accurate to the up to the point where, like, that's why. And and, and guess what happens to that situation when you can't get them out? There's only one way out of that situation. And if you watch Lifetime movies, you know that ending. I'm not even going to tell you. Watch a couple of Lifetime movies. You'll get what Chris is saying. Because, <laughs> because the reality is, that's why John Fox and that GM is no longer in Chicago. So here we are. You're a new coach. And you gotta you got to come in here 
and make Mitchell Trubisky. It's kind of like that movie, uh, was it She's All That? Where, I don't know if you've seen She's All That. But the, yeah, the I basic can't say premise, I have. But the basic premise is a, a Freddie Prince Jr., who's a, a good actor, like, even, you know, him as Fred and Scooby-Doo, that's for another discussion. But, well, he met Sarah Michelle Gellar. But, but the point is, is that the whole premise was, was that he could take the most ugliest girl in the school and make her a prom queen. Like, if you really think about, oh, that's that's terrible. Well, guess what he did? And guess what? He ended up falling in love with her. The moral of the story here, folks, is that this is what happened with Jacksonville. Jacksonville said, you know what? We're going to pick, I'm not saying Nick Foles is terrible, but we're going to pick out, you know, a guy that, who, who doesn't really stand out. Oh, Nick Foles doesn't stand out. We'll give him $80 million to make him look good. Now, hold, hold on. Slow your roll, Cowboy. Has has Nick Foles won a Super Bowl? Yes. All right. That's – I'm not saying he's worth $80 million, But the man came in – so he he was doing great in Philadelphia, in my personal opinion. I think he was doing a great job. The the ginger boy comes in, Carson Wentz, and just pisses all over uh, Nick Foles' career, gets hurt, and then Nick Foles is, and then they're like, Nick, come save the day. Like, put on the bat suits one more time. So he goes out there, then he wins the Super Bowl. On top of that, he wins the Super Bowl against, like, the, the galactic empire of the New England Patriots. He, like, throws... Vader and Emperor Palpatine down the ion capacitor warp core thing of the Death Star and kills them both. He wins the Super Bowl when he shouldn't have, in all honesty. The man, I think, got screwed out of there because they're like, well, you know, uh, Nick, you uh, you won us that Super Bowl and, and you, you turn our city into a complete shit show where our fans act like un, untrained animals and just shit and piss all over the place, which did happen, mind you. I've got some funny stories that I've heard from living up here. Um, and then they're like, well, hey, we appreciate it. Thank you for your service, but um, see, we're just going to stay with uh, the kiddo Carson. And then he gets hurt again. I mean, so that's like the irony of it. Um, and then, of course, Nick goes down to Jacksonville. He hurts, He gets hurt, and then uh, Minshew Mania occurs. Um yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think that the, you know, he's worth eighty, but I think it's a fair shot. See, Nick Foles, I think, is in the same situation that Tom Brady's in. He has tools in Chicago to work with. He's got some basic building blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I eighty million. Eh. Yeah, you know, I the the, the thing is, Chris. I'll, I'll get. I'll let you. The thing is, you, you. The thing is about Nick Foles is that. Listen, I, I'm not saying he shouldn't get, shouldn't have got paid, but I put a lot of this on on Jacksonville because the reality is, Chris. I do believe that if you would have kept Nick Foles, Nick Foles is going to be better than Gardner Minshew. Oh, Gardner Minshew did not show me anything in the time Nick Foles was hurt that made me say, you know what, they ought to trade Nick Foles. My my, my point to that parable is is that that Jacksonville saw this game, they saw Nick Foles and said, oh well, we gotta have him because they knew other teams were gonna grab it. It's just yeah. like they're going in the store. It's like the movie um, with uh, Sinbad and and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I cannot think of it. It's not Last Action Hero or something like that. But they try to get the last doll in the store. And it's the last one before anything else comes out. That that last doll was was uh, Nick Foles. And Jacksonville just happened to throw more money at it. And my whole point is, Chris, is that, yes, did he win him a Super Bowl? Absolutely. But Joe Flacco won Baltimore Super Bowl, too. And I feel that he got way overpaid. Way yeah. overpaid. Way overpaid. This is what I tell people. Look, and, and, and we're like, oh, we got to pay the quarterbacks, and I get that. But just to wrap up my point on this is, is that what this trade shows you, Chris, is how, in my opinion, 
how Jackson, why Jacksonville is on a downward spiral. Like, it, even when, like, with Blake Bortles, I knew they were on a downward spiral simply because there's nobody in that building. Like, Tom Coughlin, they got rid of Tom Coughlin. Yeah, they're just, they're, they're making one poor decision after the next. And it's just like a downward spiral of stupidity. And and, and 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 I'm to the point, Chris, where where I I'm not blaming Nick Foles. Nick Foles Nick Foles is kind of like he caught a lot of bad breaks. And my whole problem with this trade is that Chicago wins this trade because they oh, they, didn't, oh, they, yeah. they didn't give up a they didn't give up a a first a first or a second. I'd be like, oh boy, but it was a fourth round compensatory pick. Yeah, they, Jackson. And if you're Jacksonville, all you get, you spent eighty million bucks, and what you get back, you got a fourth round pick. All you, all you got to show is this T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, what's this? What'd you get that? Oh, it's a, you know, you know, I rode, you know, I rode the Kraken. Like that's it. Like that's it. It's like, like cool, bro. It's like exactly, but but one of the things that's sticking on quarterbacks. Now our buddy Derek, which we're going to try to get him on the show this season. But I'm not going to get into the semantics of that. That's for a whole nother episode. I told him about the Ryan Tannehill deal. And he was pissed that he got four years, $118 million, sticking on quarterbacks. And, Chris, I told him that was a very good deal. I, you know, I, I, I agree with it. I think a lot of... Uh, Tennessee's success in the late season was 100% dependent on Derrick Henry. If you look at the games that Derrick that they won in the playoffs, Derrick Henry was averaging well over 150 yards a game. Yeah, the game they like lost, the- I don't even think he cracked the hundred. Yeah. Um. So I think that uh, Tannehill. This is his proving year. This is 100%. His his proving grounds is he worth is he that is he that uh, multi figure you know nine figure contract quarterback he could go out there and gunsling it and run it yeah I I've never not liked him I mean I I didn't like him when he played for the Dolphins just because he's a divisional rival but I still thought he was a good player and it showed when he when he got traded to Tennessee all of a sudden he took a team that the thought of the playoffs was laughable. Mm-hmm. And then they go and beat the Patriots in the playoffs, <laughs> you know, and they, and they play for the AFC title. So, I mean, nothing's, nothing is ruled out with, with uh, Tannehill. Is he worth a hundred million dollars? Let's see in a few weeks, hopefully. Yeah. And, and, and then one of the things that is, is that with this podcast, I'm going to start doing a blog because a lot of things that we could talk about, we could talk about for hours, but I'm going to put it in written form. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why Dak should have signed a contract already. Dak wants to be like Russell Wilson. And I'm like, show me the resume where has Dak been to a Super Bowl? No. Has, yeah, he been see, to, has, has, he, has he been to the playoff? Ryan Tannehill, Chris, showed up. He took a charter flight to Tennessee, and all of a sudden, like you say, they're playing for an AFC. They're, they're playing for an AFC championship game. And mind you, yes, Derrick Henry took the onus of that, all of it. But look at that regular season to get them to the playoffs. That was Ryan Tannehill, and I'm like, Dak Prescott's been there how many? Three three years, and and how many times has he even got them close to a conference championship game? When you have a top five running back and and Amari Cooper, a great offensive line, I tell people the quarterback market is very very fickle. But here's the thing: the reality simply is this, Chris. I don't know if you agree or not. When I look at teams, like, you have to pay for quarterbacks. I use this analogy a lot. Is that you have to think about paying a quarterback 
think of it in the baseball sense of paying a pitcher. Because a uh, good pitcher is not talking about like you know anybody playing for the Orioles. None of that yeah, stuff. If, if you if you want an Andy Pettit, uh, Mariano Rivera, uh, 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 Garrett Cole, um, Justin Verlander, Josh Beckett, uh, Mike Mussina type, you're going to pay. And if you want a big quarterback, that's going to win. And see, the thing is that all of those pitchers I've named all have one thing in common. And guess what that is? I believe they won World Series, I believe, haven't they? That's 100% right. They have all won World Series. Dak Prescott has not – has he even won a playoff game? Yeah. I think we have more playoff wins than he do, and we just talking about him. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I, I have more wins in my fantasy league in the playoffs than he does. Oh, boy, ah, oh, here it comes. <laughs> but he's not—he, I'm sorry—he's not worth it. Tannehill, I'll say between the two of them, Tannehill is worth more because he—he he at least took a team somewhere. He literally got plugged in there and said, "Well, I'm going to go try to win some games." And damn it, he—he—he he, he did it, you know, and. Uh, Dak Prescott and these over-exuberant contracts, the man should honestly be happy that the Cowboys have kept him. But the Cowboys also have a terrible track record of keeping people that don't perform on their payroll. Mm-hmm. Um, clapping Jason Garrett has finally clapped his way out the door. But the man was there, I think, for like four too many seasons. He just he couldn't do anything. And it's not like he plays in a hard conference. Let's face it, the past four years – Minus the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they have the Giants, the, the, the Giants, the Redskins, the Eagles, and the and the Cowboys. I mean, I, I think Helen Keller could have went in there and, and coached a game, and 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 might have even made it to the playoffs. Yeah, the thing is, I think statistically they were the worst conference. They were the worst division in football, record wise, because the thing is, Chris. Before we wrap up with with a trade that I didn't like, but we'll get to that to wrap it up. But to finish this point about Dak, one of the things that I'm going to tell people, I'm going to write about this, is is that you're getting caught up too much in the numbers. Meaning that I understand he's won games. Just like, this is why I use the pitchers. Chris, we're baseball guys. Listen, a lot of 20-game winners, but a lot of them win it like Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw is a very, very paid man, but how many championships does he have? That's a big zero. And this is the point, as opposed to Madison Bumgarner, who literally saved the Giants' season and then wins them a World Series in Kansas City by pitching on like a day's. Like that's yeah. why that's why he got paid. The point is, is that when you're a quarterback, you're not necessarily paid. You're paid for the regular season. But you're paid for the postseason. Like, th- that's the reality. Th- that's the reality. And one of the things I'm going to talk about, Chris, and you know, starting up the Sports on the World blog, and what is that you're getting caught up in that you're looking at everybody else getting paid, but you're not looking at why. It's like in a company, and you all, and I think you can attest to this. People may say, well, why is he or she getting paid more than me? And they don't understand. The logistics. It's not because of, oh, uh, oh, better. It's about performance. At the end of the day, Chris, you could pay somebody to be great here, here, and here. But when they're clutch, you pay you pay clutch people. You pay clutch people, and the reality is, show me where Dak Prescott has been clutch, and, and you get the, and you get the same noise we just had. Yeah, yeah, because I honestly sat there and tried to to kind of weigh out the options, and those are all uh, hard nose. I mean, that's <laughs> you know, I mean, what do, what do you do at that point? I mean, at, at, at some point, Chris, you know, and I'm gonna talk about it in the blog, and I keep pumping it because well, people may like it and some don't, but th- I said this last year. If you pay him Aaron Rodgers money, Chris, I don't have a problem with that. But when we start talking like Russell Wilson money, he's not. He's n- no. Yeah. He's not. He, he doesn't even have. Uh, listen, Russell Wilson has Sierra. He's got Super Bowl deck. You got 
somebody, and you got Bupkis. But but speaking of Bupkis, Chris, before we wrap up this season two premiere episode, I want to talk about what what the hell is wrong with Bill O'Brien. And <laughs> now I'm gonna put on my legal stuff here. Chris, I'm no big city lawyer. What if I told you, Chris, that what if I offered you a, let's just say I'm Arizona. Arizona takes the phone call. Hey, we'll give you DeAndre Hopkins and a fourth round pick. For like a box of Skittles. A A box of Skittles and a case of Arizona iced teas. Listen, Hopkins, I'm going to solve this one real quick. Hopkins either, A, absolutely rearranged the cervix of Bill O'Brien's wife. B, if his daughter is of legal and consenting age, oh, the same thing to her. C, did them both at the same time. Or he must have just walked into O'Brien's office, stood on his desk in front of him, and pulled his pants out and just took a giant shit on his desk. Those are the only ways that you would get rid of your literally star receiver, your playmaker on offense, the one person that Deshaun Watson that can throw to that will actually catch it more times than not. I I, I don't know how. I don't. It, it's mind-boggling. It's intriguing. And I'm kind of impressed that that – <laughs> that that happened to be honest with you <laughs> and the when I saw that trade I had to figure out what did DeAndre Hopkins do so bad and here's the thing with Bill O'Brien is a general man and look folks you don't hire a carpenter to do your plumbing that's all I'm going to say you because this is what's happened here Chris they thought, oh, well, Bill, they didn't want to go out and, you know, heaven forbid, Chris, find a guy qualified to, to be an executive. And they, oh, we'll just put the coach as the GM because they always know what they're doing. No, because they make it personal. And, and some of that stuff you say, it's hilarious. But some of that stuff, what you say, Chris, is true because this felt very personal. This felt very yeah. personal. Because it, it's you, like when, uh, 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 what, what, what was the dude? That him, him and Bilicek, was it was it Michael Bennett that him and Bilicek got into a big argument and then he traded him to the Browns? Oh, that was, um was it Jamie Collins, I think? Yeah, Jamie Collins, yeah, it was one of them. I, I don't think yeah. it was Michael Bennett now that I'm thinking of it. But you're, him, him, and, him and Bilicek get in this giant argument and then the next day he gets traded to the Browns. That's personal. That is 100% personal. With... uh. With this, yeah, I, I don't know what happened. There is some some backdoor stuff that that he he did. But to get rid of arguably the second best player on your offense when your team's already struggling, uh, I, neither that or he was like Leo DiCaprio in The Wolf of Wall Street just popping quaaludes, and he thought the Lamborghini was parked in his driveway in one piece. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> The thing is, it, it, it felt personal, and like you say, that's a very that that Bill Belichick point. It felt personal because you can't sit there and tell me he got better. He got better offers. He just knew it was Cleveland, just like, just like Bill Brown, Bill O'Brien said. Well, oh, it's Arizona. He'll be. Free. Here's the thing. Here, here's here's the difference of value before we wrap up, because that's a great way to wrap up his value. Here's the thing, Chris. Now, one good receiver gets traded. DeAndre Hopkins, and and here's the thing. They give up. Here's the thing. Houston gets David Johnson, a guy who's injured more than healthy. Injured more than healthy. You get a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. So that's the value. You know, the value. Stephen Diggs gets traded to Buffalo, and basically Buffalo backs up the truck. They give a you gave up a first round, fifth round, and a sixth round this year and a fourth next year. Chris, like, it's personal. 
And at the end of the day, we all know who wins these trades. And like I say, next week's show, we're gonna, there's going to be a lot more stuff to talk about. But before we wrap it up, we're going to do a tournament. We're not going to say what the tournament is yet. But we're going to do some tournament, you know, kind of, to, how, you, how do you describe it? Kind of loosen the mood. I'm not, not like Bill Cosby loosen the mood. I mean, you, you, you folks, like folks, you get it. Like, what the, what the, like I'm not going to do the impression because I'm going to get sued. But, but on that note, before we wrap it up, thank you guys for listening to season two the premiere. And once again, hit us up on social media. There's no, t- I took off Twitter because no, I wasn't getting responses there. I was getting more responses on the Facebook. So go to at sports, sports the world on Facebook, sports ampersand in the world. Go to hit the hit the button, check out the episode, and go to our Instagram, posting stuff constantly there. Finally, to get get it more active. But until we hear you again, I'm Ladarius, and I'm Chris. And you guys, be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe out there on here from sports and the world. See ya.